Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are going to break down the divisional weekend of the NFL playoffs for the 2023-2024 season. The NFL is down to its final eight teams, and we've got four games taking place between Saturday and Sunday that should give us plenty of entertainment value. I think that this is... I think the wildcard weekend was kind of a dud in terms of the good games. There was only one of them between six games. I could see this weekend genuinely giving us four good games with the matchups that we've got. So what we're going to do here is we're going to break down all four of these games. We're going to look at it, you know, if you've been used to our um, previews week by week for the entire NFL season where we do buy or sell, we're going to look at it today from more of a DFS perspective than just kind of as a holistic perspective. And that's because, you know, there's no season-long fantasy leagues going on right now. And, um, you know, if you look at it from a DFS perspective, if you come to us, you know, for advice on player props and stuff like that, you can still get a lot of good information here because we're still going to break down these games a little bit more strategic and analytically than a lot of other um, fantasy NFL podcasts are going to do this week. So whether you're playing DFS, whether you're doing player props, hopefully we're going to be able to give you guys some good information this week that you can use in order to build successful winning lineups or successful um, slips on sites like Underdog and Prize Picks. Now, before we get started, um, we're going to do a quick overview of this slate and kind of like just where I expect DFS lineups to go and, and just what I'm expecting from that. Um, and then we're going to dive in game by game so that whether you're playing the Saturday only slate, the Sunday only slate, or the Saturday Sunday slate, um, you're going to get all the information that you need here on this one episode. All right, um, that does it for the introduction. So let's go ahead and end the intro there, and then let's go ahead and start talking about the slate as a whole, and then dive into game one. <laughs> So this divisional weekend slate is a unique one for the NFL, in my opinion, because genuinely all eight quarterbacks are in play. This is not like last week where, you know, you had 12 total quarterbacks playing and you could just cross out Mason Rudolph. You could just cross out Tua. You could... um you know, almost cross out like Patrick Mahomes because of the weather situation in Kansas City. You know, there was just guys that you could just cross off last week, and that's not the case this week. I think all eight quarterbacks are genuinely in play. I think all eight are going to garner a little bit of ownership, if not a lot. They're, they're all going to be owned slightly. I think some of them are better than others, but it, it's just really interesting to me to see, you know, there's genuine interest from me in every single quarterback on this slate. Now, what that also means is um, when you build your lineups, you're not really going to get a whole lot of value at the quarterback position because since all eight of these guys are good, like they're all eight reasonably priced. Like I don't think anybody is super duper cheap or super duper overpriced. So you're going to have to find value somewhere else. And, and looking at it, I don't think there's any value at the running back position in DFS this week. I think that you have a lot of very clear cut starter workhorse packs at the top. And then that kind of doesn't leave a whole lot of value because, the, you know, the guys that are getting, um, you know, are playing second fiddle, those guys aren't getting a whole lot of carries, aren't getting a whole lot of looks in the passing game. So there's just not a whole lot of value at the running back position. So what I think is going to end up happening for everybody's lineups is they're going to pick the quarterback they want. They're going to pay up at running back, possibly including Christian McCaffrey. And then they're going to try to find value at the wide receiver in tight end position. And I think there's a lot of wide receivers this week that, could be values. I think that there's, you know, there's not any like slam dunk value plays at the wide receiver position. There's some that I like more than others, but there's definitely some slam dunk value at the tight end position, which we're going to discuss. So um, that's just kind of where I'm expecting lineups to go this week. I think you will see all eight quarterbacks get a little bit of ownership. 
And I do think that people are going to pay up at the running back position. All right, so now let's go ahead and dive into game by game. So game number one, kicking off Saturday at 4.30 is the Houston Texans taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Um, the spread in this game is Baltimore minus nine with a implied to, or with a Vegas total of 45 and a half, which means that the implied total is about 27 to 18 in favor of Baltimore. Now, what's interesting about this one is this is a rematch from when these teams played in week one of the season. Um, obviously, that was a long, long time ago. For reference, I have a four-month-old daughter right now that was literally just born four days before this week one game was played. So that's how long ago it was in, in my life. <laughs> um, so basically, I don't know how much you can go by that game, but in that game, Lamar Jackson only had 8.6 fantasy points. CJ Stroud had 11.7. Zay Flowers was the highest score of the day with 17.7 DraftKings points. Now, what was interesting was the Ravens offense, um, they didn't get really any touchdowns through the passing game. They punched in three short rushing touchdowns from the running back spot. Um, and so that was what kind of caused Lamar Jackson to not see a whole lot of scoring. Now, in terms of how you can attack this game, Lamar Jackson could absolutely have a good day by using his legs. No team allows more rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks than the Houston Texans. So I think it's a very viable strategy to play Lamar Jackson. And if you're hoping that, you know, he gets by on his legs, I think you can even play him unstacked. Um, you know, you don't have to stack him with a receiver. If I was going to stack him with a wide receiver, it would um, likely be Isaiah Likely. You see what I did there? Um, is If Mark Andrews is out, Isaiah Likely has continued to see a big role in this offense. If Andrews plays, I think Andrews is a slam dunk play at only $5,000. And with this being the first game of the slate, you're going to have that injury news before kickoff. And so that that is a great beneficial factor in, in your ability to play Mark Andrews. And, you know, Zay Flowers already had success against the Texans, so I'm okay with playing Zay Flowers as well. But I'm probably not stacking Lamar with two pass catching options, um, especially not two wide receivers. The Rams game that the Ravens played a few weeks ago is the only game this season where two wide receivers hit 3x value for their salary. So it's just not a likely outcome that two receivers are going to get there for the Ravens side. Now on um, the Houston Texans side, CJ Stroud has been really, really good all season when playing mediocre defenses. However, he has been quite um, not great when he's playing good defenses. You can just look at the numbers, look at the game logs. When he's up against a good defense, he's not as good. And this Ravens defense is pretty good. No team has allowed fewer passing touchdowns in the league this season than the Baltimore Ravens. So the hope for C.J. Stroud here would be making him a, a volume play. Like just saying like, hey, they're they're trailing, you're they're projected to trail. They are probably gonna have to throw. They're not gonna be able to run the ball very well in this Baltimore defense. Maybe he throws the ball 45 times, maybe he throws for two or three touchdowns. Like that would be the play for Stroud, in my opinion. I don't think he's gonna be one of the most popular options. If I was stacking up this Texans offense, if I was stacking CJ Stroud with a pass catcher, it would likely be with Nico Collins. What you have seen from this Texans offense is that with Noah Brown and Tank Dell injured, um, it has been very easy to just go ahead and just play Nico Collins. Like he's gotten an incredible target share since those three guys, or since those two guys have been out, averaging eight targets per game over the last three weeks. Um, I, I think that Nico Collins would be the guy I would prefer. Now, after that, Dalton Schultz is not a super intriguing play to me. I think he's a little overpriced, but I do think that there are two dart throw value plays that you can go with from this Texans offense. I could see myself playing Bevin, Brevin Jordan as a punt tight end or Xavier Hutchinson as another option. Look, with Noah Brown and uh, Tank Dell out, this Texans 
receiving core is kind of running out of bodies. And so they played a lot of two tight end personnel last week against the Browns. Brevin Jordan played a lot of snaps. Yes, he did break loose for a 75-yard touchdown. I don't think he's going to do that again. But if he's going to play a lot of snaps and he's going to be out there, there's a good chance that he could get you seven or eight fantasy points. And then Xavier Hutchinson, they, they're trying to make this guy the new Tank Dell. And he's simply not as good as Tank Dell. And that's okay because Tank Dell is very good. But I definitely could see myself playing Xavier Hutchinson and just hoping that, you know, maybe he gets seven or eight fantasy points. Like, I don't think that's an unreasonable outcome for him. Now, at the running back position in this game, I'm not interested in Devin Singletary just because of that Ravens rush defense. Gus Edwards is a touchdown-dependent play on the Baltimore side. Um, there is a non-zero chance that he just plunges in for three touchdowns um, and you know he gets 25 fantasy points from three touchdowns. Like That's a possibility. If I were to play Gus Edwards, he would probably be the only guy from the game that I would be playing. Game number two is the Packers taking on the 49ers. The spread in this one is San Francisco minus 9.5 with an implied total of 50.5, making it the highest um, point total or game total of the weekend. The implied score is 30-20 to 20 in favor of San Francisco, making San Francisco the highest implied team total of the weekend. Now, at the quarterback position, there's been a lot said this week about, if you're listening to a lot of different shows, you have probably heard both ways of this, where the Packers have a weak secondary and they can be exploited through the pass, or you've heard that the Panther or the Packers don't have a good run defense and can be exploited through the run. Take your pick. It honestly could go either way, in my opinion. The Green Bay defense schematically is one that is designed to take away one thing. They're not good enough to take away both things. And so what you saw last week against Dallas was they were kind of trying to invite them to run the ball and and playing very conservatively in the pass, especially once they got up by multiple scores because they knew as long as they didn't give up big play after big play, they would be able to win that game just by running the clock out. So um, in the week before against Justin Fields, they were very devoted to making Justin Fields beat them throwing. Um, So, you know, you kind of see their game plan very week by week. And I don't know what they're going to do this week. I really don't. Like, I think if I were playing the San Francisco 49ers, I would probably try to make Brock Purdy beat me as opposed to making Christian McCaffrey beat me. However, the the Green Bay secondary, I don't know if they're built for that because they did give up 300 passing yards in back-to-back games to Bryce Young and Baker Mayfield. So I really don't know what is going to happen with this Packers defense and in turn, what is going to happen with the 49ers offense. Generally speaking, Brock Purdy is not asked to do a whole lot in this 49ers offense. They have designed an offense that is taking great advantage of what Brock Purdy is elite at. And what Brock Purdy is elite at is making good decisions. He very rarely puts the ball in harm's way. He always takes what the defense gives him and allows his very talented receivers and tight ends and running backs to get yardage after the catch, which is smart quarterback play. And so I really don't know how Green Bay is going to defend that. And so I think Brock Purdy has some upside, but I really think Christian McCaffrey is going to be the play of the slate at the running back position. Look, he checks off all the boxes this week. He is well-rested. He is a workhorse. He is on a team that is a favorite and has the highest implied total. He gets usage in the passing game. He gets usage in the running game. There have been games this season where he played a 100% snap share. He just checks off all the boxes. And so if I'm playing Christian McCaffrey this week, it's very likely that he might be the only 49er that I play. However, this 49ers offense is not going to get shut out. So I want to make a rule that if I'm not playing Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to be playing a 49ers pass catcher, whether it is Ayuk, Debo, or Kittle. And the good news is you can pretty much make it exclusively those three guys because nobody else is really regularly involved in the offense. 
Green Bay, in terms of their coverages, run a lot of single high safeties, which would be, on paper, good news for Brandon Ayuk. He tends to have better weeks against teams that run um, a lot of single high safeties. On the Green Bay side, I think Jordan Love is just an average play. I think of him in the same vein that I think of as C.J. Stroud. Like, they're both very talented. They're both good. They're both at a reasonable price. But... It's a tough matchup, and so you're looking at him as probably a volume-based play where if they are trailing and they're having to throw to keep up with the 49ers, that might be how Jordan Love is able to hit value. Now, another thing that I like about the Green Bay offense, though, is Green Bay is very balanced offensively. They run a lot of under-center, single-back run, pass, and play action to keep defenses honest and keep them guessing. And it worked to perfection against Dallas. They burned Dallas on the play action passes out of under center single back offense. And so I don't know if that's necessarily going to work against San Francisco, but the balance of that offense is going to create avenues for everybody on this Green Bay offense to have a pathway to hitting value. Aaron Jones has been great since he has came back from injury. He has been an absolute workhorse, and I think he is game flow proof because he does catch passes in the pass game as well. In the, in the four games since he's been back, he has averaged 21 carries and 22 fantasy points in those four games. And I could totally see myself just playing this game through the two running backs, playing McCaffrey and playing Aaron Jones on the other side. When it comes to picking Packers wide receivers, good luck. You do not know which one of these guys is going to go off on any given week. It might be Romeo Dobbs. It might be Christian Watson. It might be Dontavian Wicks. It might be Jaden Reed. We don't know. Jaden Reed had the surprise goose egg against Dallas that nobody really saw coming. On paper, the 49ers run a lot of cover four. So to me, cover four is a defense that is designed to not get beat deep down the field. So what I think you might see of this week is more Jaden Reed, more of these underneath, you know, screen passes, design throws, you know, quick throws that are designed to get the ball to your playmakers in space. That would be my guess. But again, that is pure speculation as anybody in this Green Bay offense has the potential to go off or has the potential to be shut out. All right, that does it for the Saturday slate. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's break down the two Sunday games. The first game of the Sunday action is the Bucks heading to Detroit to take on the Lions. And the Vegas spread in this one is Detroit minus 6.5 with a game total of 48.5, which means the implied score is about 27 to 21 in favor of Detroit. And I got to be honest. I think this is the best game environment on the slate, and I think that this game has my two favorite quarterbacks on the slate. I'm going to be playing a lot of Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff in this game. I think this game is the most likely to shoot out of all four games this weekend. We have seen a lot of Tampa games shoot out this year, and it's because Tampa is a good run defense. Tampa forces the other team to throw a lot, which in turn leads to more snaps, which leads to more points. And so you just seen it happen a lot with this Tampa team where their games turn into shootouts. And I think that this one could very well be one. And when you look at it, Detroit's secondary is not that good. In terms of EPA, they are the um, worst secondary that is remaining in the NFL. Out of all eight teams, they rank eighth. And the fantasy scoring for quarterbacks that have played against the Lions has been really solid. Five of the last six quarterbacks to play the Lions have scored 20 or more fantasy points. But, you know, it's pretty good on the other side as well because the Bucks defense has given up 26 fantasy points to four quarterbacks this season. And both of these defenses force a positive pass rate over expectation, meaning when an offense is playing against these two defense, 
is. And they are expected to, depending on what the game flow is, what the score is, what the down and distance is, they are expected to run or pass. They pass the ball more than on paper they should be. Both these defenses force that. And so you're going to see a lot of passing volume in this game, and you're going to see a lot of scoring in this game, in my opinion. Now, the running backs, I don't think you can just totally X them out either because both Jameer Gibbs and Rashad White have value for their usage in the passing game. And I think you can play Gibbs with Goff. I think you can play White with Baker because they're, you know, they're going to get the usage in the passing game. And then what if, you know, they throw the ball all the way down to the one yard line and then the running back punches in the one yard touchdown? Well, now if you have the running back, you get credit for that touchdown. So I think you can totally play both of the running backs in this game. Um, I think on the Tampa Bay side, I think that Trey Palmer and Cade Otten are going to be two very popular value plays. I think that Cade Otten is going to be the most popular tight end on the slate. He is seeing incredible usage. He led the team in targets on Monday. I mean, he's still very cheap on DraftKings as well as FanDuel. Um, so I think that Cade Otten is going to be super Super popular at tight end. I think that's where a lot of people are going to go to save salary. Um, for Detroit, I think you can look a lot at what they did last week against the Rams to kind of see what their game plan is going to be this week against the Bucs. Um, the Bucs, it was kind of highly publicized, blitzed the Eagles a lot on Monday night. And the Rams tried to blitz Detroit a lot on Saturday or Sunday night. And so what I think you're going to see is similar distributions of targets that you saw from the Lions in their first game, you're going to see in the second game, which means Amon Ross St. Brown is going to get a ton of work. It means Josh Reynolds is going to get a ton of work as well. And Josh Reynolds is my favorite value play at the wide receiver position this week. You don't have a whole lot of wide receivers down at his price that are every down players and are regularly involved in the offense week in and week out. So Josh Reynolds is probably my favorite value play on the slate at the wide receiver position. And even if I'm not playing the quarterbacks, I could see myself playing Josh Reynolds as a one-off play because um, he is a great way to save salary so that you can afford to pay up at the other positions like you know paying up at running back to play Christian McCaffrey. The last game of the weekend is what probably has the most storylines behind it. That is the Kansas City Chiefs heading to Buffalo to take on the Bills. In this game, Vegas has Buffalo's three-point favorites with a game total of 45.5, which means it is projected to be about 24-21 to 21 in favor of Buffalo. Now, this is a rematch of a game earlier this season that finished 20-17, to 17. so not a super high-scoring game. That one was in Kansas City. If you will remember, that was the infamous Kadarius Tony offsides game, so that very well could have finished 24-20 or even like 27-24 if there was more scoring in the final minute of that game. In that game, Josh Allen put up 21.5 fantasy points. Mahomes only had 14.6. James Cook had 25. Travis Kelsey had 14.3. No real receiving options for Buffalo were super prolific in that game. It was a lot of the ground game for Buffalo with James Cook having a lot of carries, Josh Allen doing a little bit with his legs himself. So no receiver options were really super notable on the Buffalo side. Now, when we target this game, you know, a lot of people don't always stack the Chiefs when they play DFS, especially on like a regular NFL Sunday 1 p.m. 12 game slate, because what generally happens if you want to stack the Chiefs is you have to play Mahomes, who's expensive. You have to play Travis Kelsey, who's expensive at a position where a lot of people usually go to save salary. So it is not very popular to stack up the Chiefs for that reason. On this slate... I think it's very reasonable to stack up the Chiefs because Mahomes is as cheap as he's ever been. Travis Kelsey is as cheap as he's ever been. And Rasheed Rice is a very clear option at the wide receiver position, the most clear option that the Chiefs have had in the last two seasons. So when you look at what the Chiefs did last week, 
Travis Kelsey had seven for 71, um, good for 14.1 DraftKings points, and he very easily could have had a lot more if, if he, you know, just take care of those few drops. Like he could have very easily gotten to hundred yards, which gets you an extra three points on DraftKings. And then Rasheed Rice was also dominating the target share as well. Rasheed Rice had a touchdown that was called back due to a completely unnecessary block in the back. So would we feel differently about these two guys this week? If Kelsey had caught all those balls and gotten to hundred yards and Rasheed Rice had gotten in the end zone, I think so. And as a, as it stands right now, they're very cheap. And these are the two guys in this chiefs offense that you want to get to. They are dominating the target share last week. They combined for 22 targets which was easily over 50% of Kansas City's total targets. Third on the team was Miko Hardman, who only saw three targets. So you're looking at a situation with this Chiefs offense where I think it is the most clear situation to stack on the entire slate because you know that a lot of the targets are going to go to Kelsey and Rice. Also, what could be an interesting strategy, I think, is playing Kelsey and Rice from this game but playing Josh Allen at quarterback as opposed to playing Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen is the number one quarterback on this slate that I would play unstacked. And the reason why is A, he does a lot with his legs, and B, he is spreading the ball around like no other quarterback on the slate is right now. Joe Brady's offense in the time that he has been at LSU, the Carolina Panthers, and now the Buffalo Bills. Joe Brady is an offensive coordinator that if you've ever heard the expression for an offensive coordinator calls players, not plays, where they're looking to get the ball in specific guys' hands at specific times. Yet Joe Brady is the opposite of that. Joe Brady calls plays and not players. He spread, he's literally everywhere he's been, he has spread the ball around to multiple receiving options. There's never been one true alpha wide receiver that totally dominated the targets and dominated the usage. And so that's kind of what you've gotten since he has taken over as the Buffalo offensive coordinator. The ball has been spread around quite a lot. Stefan Diggs's production has taken a sharp decline. And you end up with a situation last week where against the Pittsburgh Steelers, four different players scored touchdowns. Allen ran one in, um, Khalil Shakir, Dawson Knox, and Dalton Kincaid all scored. So that's ex that brings me back to my original point. I think you can play Josh Allen totally unstacked because what are like, I just think there's a chance that none of the receiving options actually hit value. Like you would probably need, you know, seven or eight targets to one of them and, and a touchdown and more um, for that for any one of those guys to hit value. And so I think I would rather just play Allen and just let him spread the ball around and let him do a lot of work with his legs. Now, obviously, I think Khalil Shakir has got to be in play. Um, you know, if if Gabe Davis is out, Khalil Shakir has been used in this offense quite regularly. You've also seen Buffalo, kind of like Houston, go with a lot more two tight end looks with um, Gabe Davis being out. And so Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox would both be in play, in my opinion. However, Dawson Knox is the Gus Edwards of tight ends, where he is entirely touchdown dependent. He has not had a game this season where he scored more than seven fantasy points, and he did not score a touchdown. That is, like, incredible. So among all those pass-catching options for Buffalo, I would probably be most likely to play Kincaid and Shakir. But like I said, I would kind of rather just play the two Kansas City guys, play Josh Allen on the other side, and maybe stack it up with one Buffalo pass catcher. Now, I do all this talking about all the pass catchers from this game, but both of the running back options are really solid as well. You know, we just mentioned James Cook had 25 fantasy points in the first time that these two teams played. James Cook, the only thing that is worrisome is that he is not getting a full workload in the red zone and at the goal line. Um, last week, they would take him out and put one of the backups in against Pittsburgh when they got down to the goal line. That's a little concerning. But hey, if you break off a 30-yard touchdown run or, you know, catch a wheel route for 30 yards, you're not in the red zone. And so... Um, 
Um, I definitely think that there's still a pathway for James Cook to be successful, and very few backs in the NFL have been as good as Isaiah Pacheco over the last half of the season, and so to me, Isaiah Pacheco is a guy that you absolutely have to consider. He has been on an absolute tear in the second half of the season. And what you're also seeing is with the injury to Jarek McKinnon, you're not really seeing McKinnon eat into the passing game usage. So Pacheco is the one out there on passing game downs, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is used very sparingly in the game. What you're looking at with Pacheco is over the last four games that he finished, the Miami game was his worst one, 15.8, 32.5 against Cincy, 24.3 against Green Bay, and 25.9 against the Raiders. So um, you're looking at a situation where there have been very few guys as good as Pacheco. I think objectively, speaking, Pacheco is the second best play at the running back position on this slate behind only Christian McCaffrey. But I think there's a very easy way to target this Chiefs team. I think you either just play Pacheco or you play Rice and Kelsey, and you can play Rice and Kelsey with Mahomes or with Allen. I think both those are viable strategies. All right, that does it for the divisional round 2023. Well, I guess, is it? division around 2024 now. It's it's the 2023 season, but it's 2024 on the calendar. I I never really know how to call that. But anyway, that was our preview for the divisional round that is taking place this weekend. Um, Hopefully was able to give you guys a lot of good information that's going to help you guys build some DFS lineups and build out some betting slips for player props that, you know, going to help you guys pick the right overs and unders on there as well. Um, reminder, if you want more from me, um, you can always follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. You can also join the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on the audio feed. We've got a lot of smart people in there who play DFS for a lot of different sports. NFL is one of them. We've got NFL, NBA, college basketball, um, golf even. So um, if, you, if you play a lot of DFS, join the fantasy corner discord it's a great community to be a part of all right so that kind of does it for this episode y'all hopefully was able to give you guys a lot of good information hopefully you guys like what you heard if you do like what you heard subscribe to the audio feed subscribe to the youtube channel um it really does help me out a lot when you guys do that and i really do appreciate it so um that does it for today guys best of luck to you this weekend Uh, oh i forgot to make my official picks last week um I didn't do too hot, but i didn't do awful um what i think is going to happen i think the texans are going to beat the ravens in an upset I think the 49ers are going to blow out the Packers. I think the Lions are going to beat the Bucks, And then I think the Chiefs are going to go into Buffalo and take down the Bills. So we've got Texans, Chiefs, and 49ers, Lions in the championship round. So we'll, we'll see how we do on those picks. Anyway, that does it for this episode, guys. Thank you guys for listening to this point, and I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.